Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome to The Family Room. We are so glad for you to join us today. I'm Mari, and I'm here with my co-hosts, John and Craig. Hi, guys. Hey, Mari. So, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, so last time we were together, for those who got a chance to listen to our show last week or who are rapidly going back on their app to, to listen to the podcast from last week, we had a wonderful conversation with Tom McCabe around freedom through forgiveness and just what an important topic forgiveness is. So if you missed last week's episode, just know you can go onto your app, which you find in the App Store. The Quest, it's called Quest Atlanta app, and you can look go to local shows and find The Family Room, and you can listen to last week's episode. The other thing that Tom shared a lot last week in part one of this series is a number of different resources and references, and you can always go to our show notes as well that are linked to each episode and uh, track those down also. Um, but in for those listeners who haven't learned about Tom or didn't hear about him last time, Craig, would you introduce Tom to our listeners again? Would love to, certainly. Interestingly, too, we're bringing this back because I think we've all thought the idea of forgiveness is paramount in the world we live in today because last show, Tom broke down how unforgiveness affects us emotionally, psychologically, and physically, mm -hmm. and it manifests itself through these various things like cancer, like diabetes, whatever. Not that those are the only reasons. So if you're listening and say, well, I have cancer and I forgive everybody. That's not the point. But the point is it can have an impact there. Mm -hmm. But why Tom? Okay, Tom has been an educator for a long time. He's also a writer. He's consulted with various uh, dioceses and parishes. He actually worked a long time in the uh, Diocese of Denver, where he worked with Christopher West, and they did uh, Theology of the Body. But he has a heart for people. What I love about Tom and our relationship was fostered under his heart for walking with people to bring them to a point where they recognize how much God loves them, that Tom can walk arm in arm someday with us in heaven, which I think the, the beauty of what he's saying from is he had a life experience that brought him to a point that says, I don't want to keep talking about the faith. I want to live it in such a real way, and I want to bring people along with me. So uh, without going through the rest of your bio, Tom, you can go back and listen to our show from a week ago if you really want the full details. But here's my brother, Tom McCabe. Hey, man. Hey, hey Craig. Uh, it's it's great to be here with you guys again. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to shut me up sometimes. So it, I, I, you give me a microphone, and I'm happy to talk. But thanks for sharing that, Craig. I love, uh, I do love talking about the faith. And as you said, I love, I love helping people get unstuck. I just grabbed a website. Uh, I haven't I built it up. I just a domain name called Lives Unstuck. So hopefully we can build something on that very soon. <laughs> um, but uh, I, um, I do. I have a great passion to walk with people. Thanks for recognizing. No, me. that's great. That's great. Mr. Gordon, would you please bring us in with prayer? I would be honored to do that. Let's start in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for all things. But today, as we focus on forgiveness, because you allow the things in our lives that are difficult, you allow wounds, you allow resentment and, and difficulties, not because you want us to have those things, but because 
you seek to draw them out and you seek to use them as a way for us to find your love, find your forgiveness, and then share that love and share that forgiveness with the people we meet and encounter each day. For all these things and for the time that we're going to spend together to learn forgiveness, we give you thanks and praise and ask you to open our minds and hearts to the love and forgiveness of your own spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. So, Tom, <laughs> there was so so much in that last show, and trying to revisit it, unpack it all, can be a little uh, a little crazy. But let, let's give it a try again. A um, couple key things we talked about last time. You know, we talked about the fact that everybody does have resentment. Everybody is in a position where. You know, they haven't fully let go of something, and sometimes it has to be tied back to a healing, right? Something hurt us so deeply that we can't just say, okay, I forgive you. You really need God to come in and heal that, and you gave us an example of that from your last show. Um, but like bad habits and good habits, is there a what we would call a cycle? You know, there's a cycle of behavior that people carry on, whether it's alcoholism or other things. Is there such a thing as a cycle of an unforgiveness? Is there such a thing as a cycle of forgiveness? And how do we get untrapped from one maybe? And how do we get entrapped in the other one? Yeah, thanks for asking that question, Craig, because there really is a cycle. We all know people. You look at that person, you could say, if you had to define them, you'd be like, oh man, that person's resentful. You can just see it. Mm. Or you see another person and you're like, that person is just forgiving. Uh, there is something that they're doing in their life regularly, habitually, to make it happen. And if I can simplify it, again, I, I'll talk about the cycle in a minute, but it ultimately is we all get hurt, right? But one has the, abas- the capacity to trust and turn it into something beautiful. The other one is, is not trusting, and they're turning it into something that's full of anger and, and hurt and uh, harboring something deep within them. So the cycle of forgiveness and unforgiveness, I'd say typically begins the same. Uh, and uh, I, you might even call it a, even a cycle, like a spiral. Forgiveness is like a spiral down. I would say for, uh, unforgiveness is a spiral down. Forgiveness is a spiral up because it's leaving you, it, it gives you more life, right? Whereas the person mm-hmm. that's falling into resentment, you see them closing in. Both of them begin with a hurt. There's a violation that has occurred to the person, right? You've been victimized in in some way unjustly. And so you have this response. I'd say first there's a sense of shock and and you're reacting to it. And then, but then there there comes a response. So both start with hurt. And I'd say they both typically go to anger next. Mm -hmm. The question is, what is the sentiment of that anger? Because anger is saying something wrong happened, right? And I want to make it right. But one of those angers, when I say forgiveness, turns toward trust. You're trusting that something good can come out of this. You're trusting that God can bring good out of this. So there's a trust. There's an openness to forgive. The other one, instead of going toward trust, their cycle, they go toward distrust. Are you following me? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. They're closed to mercy. They're not trusting that anything good can come out of this. They're not trusting that I can I can love this person again. No, they're they're going down a different direction. So both start with hurt, move toward anger. One, this is where they segue. One starts developing a a, a, a trust 
that, okay, something good can come out of this. The other one does not. So let's talk for a minute about unforgiveness, where it goes from there. Distrust then typically begins, then, then starts developing that resentment that we feel inside of us, right? I'm going to harbor something here. I want my just desserts. I want to see this person burn. I want them to feel exactly what I felt. I want, you know, you feel that? You see what I'm talking about? There's mm-hmm. this, it, you're harboring this, and it gets be- deeper and deeper. That cycle from there typically goes to an alienation. Mm-hmm. Because if you've seen it, someone who's that way, what, what happens to you and me? We alienate ourselves. People don't understand us anymore. We start going in a direction, so we're alienating ourselves from other people, from ourselves, and from God. Ultimately, it leads us to despair. We're hopeless. We can't get out of this, and we're left sad. That is the cycle, and it keeps happening. Then you think about it again. Hurt, anger, distrust, resentment, right? that sense of loneliness. Despair, sadness. Mm-hmm. Conversely, the cycle with forgiveness starts the same. Hurt, anger makes sense. We trust. We trust in God. We trust that He can make something good come out of this. We can even trust ourselves that, okay, I think something good can come out of this. We extend mercy. And that's the kicker. The unforgiving person can't. You extend that undeserved gift. Of, 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 of love for this person, compassion, empathy. And when you do that, what comes? Hope. Something good's going to come out of this. And it ends in joy as opposed to sadness. And so when, it, when you think about that situation again, the next time you go through it, maybe it doesn't hurt so much. And you go through it again and you get through it again. All of a sudden, you've practiced the virtues and there's several virtues that you're actually working on, not just love. Uh, there's a lot of humility that's taking place. There's a lot of temperance that's being worked on, right? And so all of these virtues, and then it just gets easier and easier and easier. So that's what's happening. There's a similar cycle, but they both take a segue. Right, when, right after anger, one trusts that God can do something good out of this, and the other one doesn't. And even if someone isn't a believer and they're not trusting in God, but they want to forgive, they have to go through that process as well, trusting that something good is going to come out of this. And I'll say this one thing. One of the, one of the I, in my course, everybody has to do a lot of homework, not just spiritual homework, but a lot of mind work, rethinking. They do a lot of mindfulness and thinking, and they do a lot of virtue practice. And so they have to practice doing acts of generosity for other people. They, they practice letting go of little things. They practice, you know, they buy themselves something, something beautiful, and in exchange, give up something, some resentment, so that every time they look at that good item, they're like, no, nah, I gave that away. Um, so there's a lot of work you have to trust, and they have to do a lot of uh, remembering all the times in our life that we've been given mercy. Uh, not to go off on a, a tangent here, but let me explain one thing. Every day, each one of us is given a numerous amounts of mercy from the people around us. We don't realize it. Like, you cut somebody off on the road, right? They can either give you the finger or they can be kind to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to work, you, you do something, you didn't turn something in, and, and your coworker just gets ticked off at you. Imagine going through one entire day where everybody around you did not forgive you, and you felt that. How would you feel, folks, mm. if everybody around you would not give you little acts of mercy? It would have a huge impact on you. 
We are the recipients of an incredible amount of mercy, and that enables us to forgive. Because you cannot give what you do not have, people. Let me say it again. You cannot give what you do not have. So the ability to forgive, extend mercy, is because we have first been the recipients of a massive amount of of mercy, and then you extend it. So it isn't just for the the Christians, per se. I think anybody can practice that. I just think it's easier once you have good grace that's that's capitalized on. That makes great sense. Mm -hmm. So the question then would be, how? Is there, can you, like, in my mind, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm hacked off. I've got this resentment. Um, I want to know um, but the mnemonic device that will take me down the right path versus the wrong path. Is there, can you give us like a formula? Is there a formula of forgiveness, something that can help us? I mean, I'm not serious about the mnemonic device, but, <laughs> but you know where my mind is going, right? Yeah, I have several, John, and I'll just give you the simplified version, and then I'll give you my acronym, okay? And there's different processes. Dr. Enright that I mentioned earlier in the previous one, you should listen. Uh, Dr. Robert Enright, just one of the foremost pioneers in forgiveness, amazing. He's got an incredible process. He has 20 steps or 20, a 20-point 20 process. And it's not like you have to do this and then this and then this, but you need to hit all these points. I've simplified it. First, I think about in terms of this. If, if you, if in, a, in an experiential way, it's as simple as breathing in and breathing out. If you don't breathe in, what's going to happen? You're going to die. die. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, if, you, if you don't breathe out, what's going to happen? You're going to die. You're going to die. And pass out right? for sure. So you think about it. Breathing in grace and mercy and extending it out. It's trusting in God, right? Receiving that and pushing it out. Like if, if all we do is receive God's love, we're going to be fat little babies, mm-hmm. right? We've got to give it out, right? That's, that's basically what we're doing, folks, okay? You have to name what, what's going on. You have to receive God's love. You have to give it back, and then you have to repair it. And what I mean by that is here's my acronym, John. Uh, it's just a simple one that I use, and it's START, S-T-A-R-T. And it's what I train the people who are going through my course and doing. And this is what I taught when I, I went out and I spoke at a conference the first time on this. And I had probably 100 people waiting in line to talk to me afterwards. And I'm not kidding. I usually don't have people. They don't want to come talk to me. But <laughs> I realized I hit a nerve. I had two publishers walk up to me and said, here's the, here's the, the table of contents to your book. I wrote it out while you were talking. I realized I was onto something because they started identifying where they were on the process, where, where they were stuck. It's S-T-A-R-T. And um, it might take us a few minutes to unpack this, and, but, and I'm going to tell you what each one of those is first, and then I'll unpack it. The S stands for state the offense or state the grievance, okay? The mm-hmm. T stands for trust and turn, which I talked to you about just now. We'll unpack a little bit more. Trust and turn. The A, act with mercy. Act with mercy. The R, repair. Repair and restore. And the T is train. All right? And it's we can typically find by looking at those where we're stuck. And it's not like you have to go through each one individually or, you know, separately or anything like that, or, you know, in order, but there is something amazing to each one of these. 
So I don't know if you guys need a break or anything like that, but I'd love to be able to unpack each of those for a moment. Yeah, we would love for you to do that. So listeners, if you are just tuning in, you are here with us in the family room and we were listening to Tom McCain. I can't talk today. (laughs) Tom McCabe um, sharing with us just these wonderful insights into forgiveness. And um, if you saw us here in studio, you would laugh because we all have all these notes that we've been furiously (laughs) writing um, with all of the wonderful information that Tom has been sharing with us. So, yes continue on if you would unpack and break that open for us that would be very helpful oh you bet you bet um so guys uh, the first one i think i told you was i called it state the offense or state the grievance okay mm-hmm. uh, and let, let's unpack that for a moment okay imagine um imagine craig that you have a pain you know, and it's but you have a difficulty isolating where the pain is, and the doctor asks you, "Hey, is it a sh- is it a sharp pain? Is it a dull pain? Is it surface pain? Is it a deep tissue?" And you're like, "I don't know. It just hurts." <laughs> well, the physician's going to have a difficult time finding the cause, right, uh, of what's going on uh, with what's going on in you, and, and so uh, really, the diagnosis precedes the prognosis, right, and the treatment. Um, so I think forgiveness is the same thing. What I what I do with the people is I first and foremost I have them state the grievance uh, before they get started. And um, I'm going to tell you a quick little story. I mean, I have many forgiveness stories, and I'm sorry I haven't had more time to tell them. But this is a beautiful story. I had a couple come to talk to me because they were having um, you know, relationship issues. They weren't uh, married or anything. And they came and sat down. They looked like a really cool couple. I thought, oh, this is cool. They're, they're, they're a fun couple. They, I wonder what's going on. Like, they just seem like they love each other. Everything's going great. And I, for, we'll just call them Jack and Jill, right? And I said, hey, you know, say, what's going on? And then Jack said, I, it's no di- big deal, really. We're, we're, just, we're just kind of getting, not jiving lately. I just feel like Jill's been a little impatient with me. And she just sheepishly said, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I have been. I, I, I just... And I don't know what the problem is. And Jack said, I, I know what the problem is. She's jealous. Mm. That's what it is. She's jealous. And, um, and Jill kind of got a little serious. And she's like, yeah, I, I guess I am. And um, Jack buds in, you know, you know, cuts her off and says, well, here's what it is. I work with this gal at work. Admittedly, she's really pretty. And we both admit it. She's really cute and all of that. And, okay, one day I was, I was flirting a little. But that was in the past. It's all over with. And Jill said, yeah, I was a little jealous. You know, that's right. It happened a while ago, and I'm over with it and, and, and all of that. And I said, okay, so so what, what's the big deal? Well, before Jill could explain, Jack piped in again and said, listen, uh, uh, there was this situation, okay? Uh, me and my coworker, you know, she, she and I, we went out, you know, for a drink after work, but it was all platonic. There was no big deal about it. And I was thinking, well, hmm, okay, could be, but I wonder how Jill feels about that. And uh, I said, well, were you okay with it? And she's like, you didn't tell me about it. Mm. I just sort of found out. And I'm like, wow, wow, how, how how did you feel about that? And Jack pipes in again, listen, it was no big deal. It was totally platonic. It was no big deal. I think we're seeing a problem here. <laughs> my my ears are hot. <laughs> yeah, as mine were as well. And she just said, "Because I, 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 but you didn't say anything to me. Like, like I, I, I was just hurt, right? You know, why didn't you say something?" 
It's just I can't get over this. I just can't get over it. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? You lied to me. And I was like, bingo. Mm, yeah. Jillian, I just said, that's it. You weren't jealous. You were insecure. There's a huge difference. He didn't protect your relationship. And now Jack's beginning to shrink back, right? And all of a sudden he's realizing, and all of a sudden then she gets this justified sense of anger in her. She, it's like the scales fell from her face. You broke my heart. You hid this from me. You lied to me. And you have to win my trust back. Mm. Wow. It was beautiful. There we were able to build on something, right? Yeah. Many times I have people coming to talk to me and, they, either they pour everything in a stew pot and they can't identify what's going on because they've just been stirring it up for so long and you have to identify them. Or us men, we're, it's, we don't want to feel weak, so we don't address it. It's like everything's cool. Everything's fine. No, I'm fine. Yeah. But yeah. we don't stay. I have, this isn't a critical part of the process. It's not that you have to take the time to state the offense. Because if you can just forget and you, you're able to extend mercy, that's great. But many of us need to... You almost have to blame. There is an accusation period that I went through. Remember my story? Mm-hmm. The previous time when I had been molested and I thought I was over that, like, big deal. Some guy, he, he's just a weird dude. I had to, in a sense, state the grievance so I knew what I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I knew what I had to let go of. And so it's a very, very potentially healthy part of the process where the person can actually, I'd say it's an accusation period. Not that you have to even go to the person. You may need to, right? You may need to go to the person. Here's what you did, and it was wrong, like what Jill did. But at least internally, you are claiming the offense, and you look at its severity. You look at the circumstances, maybe what their intent is. Like, this is what happens in a court of law, mm-hmm. right, when someone's accused. You look at, they take that, you know, the prosecutor and attorney tries to figure out exactly what the crime is. What is the severity? What is the intent? What were the circumstances? Mm-hmm. And that's good so that you can figure out what the verdict is. Because if, if it was more heinous, the judge exacts a greater um, penalty, does he not? Right. That, right. And so, but the same thing, we have to do that, go through. That's the S. Yeah. Okay. So th- and so it's so important for us to stop and think about that for a second, because a couple of things there, when she stated it, first of all, it meant she really started to understand what is it that I'm dealing with here. And and we talk about praying specifically, or we just talk about putting things down at the foot of the cross. If you just have a stew pot full of stuff and you're just kind of dumping it at the foot of the cross, you don't really know what you're putting there. Or you're asking, asking, okay, God, just heal me, but I don't really know what I'm asking you to heal me about. right? And then to Jack's point, Jack just kept on, it was no big deal, it was no big deal. He didn't know what he was apologizing for. He didn't know what the issue was to know what to apologize for. So she couldn't trust him because he still wasn't actually addressing what the issue was because it had not been stated, right? Let's give him the benefit of the doubt that it was platonic, right? Right. right? And, right. But he knew she would be offended. He didn't bring it up. He's sort of hiding it and all of that. Um, but he's like, it was no big deal without allowing that. Once he realized what he had done mm-hmm. and the offense then he started working to actually repair that situation. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Because he understood what he needed to repair, right? He understood, and she did. Mm-hmm. She as well, right? They both understood what work needed to be done now. Now we can set out. And so when I'm beginning with people, state the offense, because you've got to know, okay, what's the remedy here? You have to forgive, but what do you need to forgive? Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's why 
it is helpful for people that sometimes to, to go through that process to understand, okay, what is it? And so I have people tell their story when they're going through the process. And I put them in small groups, and it's all online. Um, when they're comfortable, maybe they tell a little story instead of a big story or whatever it is. But we have to get the story out. Uh, so we know we, can, we, we, need to t- we, do, we need to take control of it, I say. Don't let it control you because you need to write the last chapter of the story. Don't let resentment write the last chapter of the story. You need to take control of the story so that you can write its ending. Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's a sound bite, Dave. I'm, we'll do some production right here on air. <laughs> Don't let resentment write the last chapter of the story. That's powerful because... Um, I think about friends and family that I know because resentment ultimately uh, lives and dies in what I would call like regret, right? And if resentment mm-hmm. gets to write the last page of the book, that then the epilogue is just regret, regret, regret that you can't fix the way you want to. So great you know, advice. Jeff, I tell people all the time, you're probably in chapter seven of a 10 chapter book here. And yeah. you need to trust me on that. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to screw this one right. up real quickly though. But there was that movie that came out about the, uh, the Olympic athlete, the Italian gentleman that uh, was the J in world war two was captured by the Japanese. Oh. Yeah. Louis, oh, Louis yeah. Zamperini. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. 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 Unbroken. And yep. you know, here's a guy that was, was abused, was beaten. This extreme case comes back you know, he gets greeted by the priest. The priest says, we prayed for you. He was kind of like, yeah, it wasn't the priest. It was the bomb that saved me. Or sorry, it wasn't God. It was the bomb that saved me. Became an alcoholic, had a rough marriage, did all the things. Finally came to Christ and went back to Japan to try to find the bird who was the general. Actually forgive him. But they actually show a scene where he, in in the prison camp or whatever, the, the, the encampment where we had the other prisoners, he went around and shook their hands and forgave them. Yeah. Then he went around teaching all about forgiveness because he really knew what it was all about. So, I mean, extreme story, but incredible one. Yeah, incredible. My husband is actually reading. I read it many years ago. He's actually reading Unbroken right now. Yeah, the amazing story of of forgiveness. Yeah, and he had to figure out what it was he was forgiving everybody for. Yeah, Yeah, just like you say. That pain. So we've just got a few seconds, actually, before we head to break here. When we come back, we want to, um, we're here with Tom McCabe, and he's talking us through um, just how we can deal with forgiveness in this uh, incredible um, process that he's created. And we've 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 started with, uh, well, start. Oh, that's going to start. <laughs> His acronym is START. Okay. We've started with the S, right? So when we come back from break, we'll we'll continue on and, and go with T. Um, so, Tom, thank you. Um, we will be back right back here in the family room. Join us back in a few minutes. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on the Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. 
Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160 The Quest. We're talking with Tom McCabe about forgiveness. He's taking us through some very practical steps uh, with the acronym START. And before we go there, though, why don't we start this segment by talking about your best family room memory. Again, whether your childhood, whether recently, what can you bring us to, Tom? Wow. Well, you know what? Something hit me just now. I was thinking of a little story. It'd be fun to tell, and I got all kinds, but I just I believe it's the Holy Spirit. Um, growing up, and my parents were incredibly faithful, love, loving Christians, devout Catholics. Um, um, and my dad, but he had, a, he had a very, very, very keen sense of justice. Mm. Like... Uh, Eva, you know, he, he was the altar server trainer, the head of the ushers. I mean, we pray the rosary, but it's keen sense of justice. And he would talk about the people who were in prison, and he'd say them, dang, sons of bread makers. You know, I mean, he, I mean, they all deserve to be there. Dang it. And I'm cleaning it up a little, okay? But, uh, he, he, he said biscuits. Attitude. He said biscuits. Uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So he, but uh, he was strong. I mean, he got very vehement when he would be talking about people in prison, that they deserve to be there. As kids went on a retreat, uh, it was like a Curcio-based type retreat that was a huge process. It, it helped me and my siblings all to encounter Christ at a young age. Uh, we brought it home, and my dad was sort of taken back by the whole thing. 
And I'm like, what is this? So well, we, we got him to go on. My dad had this amazing experience, right? amazing experience, and he wanted to start helping with the retreat. About a year later, someone encouraged him to go to take that retreat to the prison. Wow. And he was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> he went to it. He finally gave in. And um, so I remember being in our family room, and my dad informed us that he was going to take the retreat to um, the prison and do as many of them as he could. And he made the parrot, the, the prison, his parish. Oh, wow. For 20 years, my dad did prison ministry after that. And I, like, I asked him once, why do you go there, Dad? And he goes, because they can't come see me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, talk about forgiveness. He told us, the family, that that's what he was going to start doing um, in the family room. And we were all stunned. This man who had such a keen sense of justice had a greater sense of mercy. Mm. Which is where we're going to go in the second half, hopefully. That's beautiful wow. setup. That's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> no justice without mercy. That's right. So we have, we, we started the start <laughs> and, and we got the state, the offense. And, and actually you tied a number of really important themes together just in that statement that go all the way back. And so do go listen to the podcast. If you're just listening to this and you haven't heard the first one, go back and listen to that podcast. But I wanted to ask, you know, why, if, why, if resentment is so bad, do we all cling to it? There, we must see some value in it. And I think you articulated the value and that's justice, right? We know that an injustice has been done and we cling to it until the justice is done. So the start that you took us on, the first thing is get it out there. What was the issue? And then you were ready to take to us, I think, to the second T, which is trust and turn, right? Yes. People need to be a lot of what I say to people is I'm sorry, and they're telling me their story. There is an injustice, and we have a keen sense of that. Every child, right? You know, when my sister, I said to you in the last episode, when she lied, I just, I had this keen sense of justice, like, she lies, and I knew it at my core. Um, didn't know what, I couldn't define what truth was or what lying was, but so we have this within us, John, and it is true. Um, but we can't stop there. What do we do with it? That's why the, the T stands for trust and turn. I love telling stories. I'm going to tell you another one. I'll try to keep it short. I, I tell a lot of stories and have a lot of interviews for my course. There's a gentleman, a wonderful man. His name is Walter Bonham, who lives today in um, uh, Louisiana. And um, he, one day, uh, was in his house. Somebody came up to his door, walked in his door, had a gun, and said, give me your money. And uh, he and his wife were there and his daughter, and they were freaking out. And his da- wife said, okay, well, let me, let, me go to the, uh, let me go get my purse. And he's like thinking, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to protect my family? What am I going to His wife was heading into the garage to get her purse. And he was walking behind the man. The man heard Walter walking behind him, thought Walter was going to attack him, and he shot Walter. It hit his jawbone, shot down his back, and the bullet lodged into his spine to where he is paralyzed, really, from the chest down today. I interviewed him recently, and it was remarkable. So, Walter, do you have any resentment against this man? He's like, no, no. I'm like, 
<laughs> why not? He's like, oh, he probably has so many problems. Ah, oh, the poor guy. I mean, he goes, if, if he had to do that, I just feel so sorry for the man. I, you don't hold any, harbor any anger? No, no, no. He doesn't know the love of Jesus. Now, I just, I'm giving you guys the, the, the cliff notes. Mm. It's an amazing, amazing story. Walter has the ability to trust in God to a heightened degree. Mm. And it's just amazing when you talk to him. I said, you've never held a grudge? He's like, no, but, but you're in a wheelchair for your rest of your life. And Walter said, you know, you know, but I always say to God, well, you must have, you put me here. You must have some incredible plan. And so let's get started. Hmm. This man has an incredible ability to trust. And um, so if you hear the whole story, he, he has this down, trust and turn. For those that have the ability to forgive, they trust that something good can come out of this. All right. They can, they, so even on a natural level, don't even bring God into it. They trust that something good can come out of this situation. It fundamentally changes the way in which you look at this, doesn't it? Okay, yeah. on, a, on, a, on a psychological level, you're trusting something. Now, when we add that to the faith, we're saying, Lord, I trust you. So you're letting go of it. And so what happens, instead of holding on to something, your heart is opening it up. You're receiving. Remember I said it's like breathing in and breathing out? Right. Mm -hmm. You're breathing in the capacity to forgive. You're receiving something. That's why even if people aren't Christians, I say, I want you to meditate on all the people that have forgiven you in your life and really receive that because you cannot give what you do not receive. It's more than just letting go of the grudge, people. That's half of this. Ultimately, freedom, real freedom comes when you can seek the good of the other person. You know, it's that undeserved quality of compassion. Okay, because you already know an injustice has happened. And it's in, and also to ourselves, guys, half the people that come probably can't forgive themselves. It's not just those who can't forgive somebody else. You've got to do this yourself, and it's probably harder to, to forgive yourself. But once you can start realizing, okay, God has forgiven me. Other people have forgiven me. It's like this reservoir. I don't know, if you've ever been to Lake Tahoe, and you see the crystal clear water, mm -hmm. cold water, clear water is coming out of the mountains every day, and it has to pour out. If it, otherwise, it just gets stagnant. We have to bring that, let that clear air come in, the clear water come in more and more, um, and that's what's happening. And then I would say it's trust and turn. So there is a, there is, it's turning to Christ. The one thing Christ said repeatedly in Scripture is repent and believe. And that just sounds like, okay, I've got I to say I'm sorry, and then i got to believe in this guy. What he is really saying, when he says repent, he's saying, trust me. Just trust me. Mm -hmm. Let go of it. Just, that's what repent really means. Give it to me. Just trust me. So when we say trust and believe, we're saying, believe that this God has the capacity to forgive your sins. That's all that you need to do repent and believe and you will enjoy eternal life this is the most important step in this entire process everybody people don't get it they think it's just incidental trust what do you mean trust okay i'll just get it it is fundamental because you cannot give what you do not have mm. so i tell people walter had this folks he had this ability to trust god deeply and richly 
that then he could get to the next step. Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay, so so interesting two things real quick. One is um, when you were saying you trust in God that something good can come out of this situation, it takes me to Romans eight twenty eight, which any of our regular listeners will know that that's my life verse. I always, that's mine. And God's word is this living word. So if you unleash it into your mind, then you can start to really believe that. Um, you know, can I tell a real, real quick story? Uh, Are we going to be able to say no? <laughs> yeah, if you say no. I have a microphone. Only if we turn our mic off. <laughs> <laughs> really. Um, because you, um, what you're talking about, Tom, is coming alive for me about something that just happened last week. Um, my daughter, as our listeners know, my daughter's a freshman in college, and she's had a bit of a challenge um, this first year. This first year, in that she's had some girl drama. So all of those moms of daughters, dads of daughters, know about girl drama. There's been some girl drama that's gone on, and I have been very frustrated by the way some of these girls have treated her. So what's interesting is, as I've been hurt and become angry, that mama bear I told you at the beginning that that's my challenge, right? Is that if somebody hurts my family then I become mama bear and I have a hard time forgiving them. So my lack of forgiveness actually turned into a need to control the situation. That's where it went for me. And so I was just visiting her last weekend and I set up a a chance for her to meet somebody at the Catholic Center because I wanted to steer the ship and I wanted her to go find these other people who would speak truth in her life. It's not a bad idea, but I took control. And so she and I had, after I did this um, and probably embarrassed her, she and I had this very open conversation and she let me know. It was kind of like your conversation with Jack and Jill. She let me know, this is what you did and this is how it affected me. And God was so good because we had this conversation. She got mad at me and I had a little bit of windshield time in the car as I processed this. And it's exactly what I realized was I was not trusting. I was not trusting God in the situation and I wasn't trusting her to be able to do what she needed to do in the situation. I needed to let go and release. And so I actually called her and I repented and I thanked her for sharing that with me. And I told her and I repented and I told her, thank you for being so willing to share how my actions have affected you and how they made you feel. And I was acting out of my resentment and my hurt and my frustration and my lack of forgiveness in the situation. And I asked for her forgiveness and I told her I wasn't trusting God either. And I'd asked for God's forgiveness. So I only got through the S and the T. Um, so hopefully I'll learn more about the ART. <laughs> but, That's coming up. Yeah, right. but it right. was pretty profound in yeah. the way she and I were able to talk about it. And it made me realize, okay, I need to step back. And I re- repeated Romans eight twenty eight to myself and reminded myself, God's got this. And not only does God have this, but my daughter has this and she can, she can handle it. So F- funny enough, you say you're getting back to the art of this. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It, I mean, it actually, it actually is an art because what keeps coming to my mind is this is something we can learn. Mm-hmm. This is something we have to be disciplined enough to keep applying. And the other thing is, Tom, I don't trust God sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, when I when I go back to the past of be still and know that I am God. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple components. But for me, the last few years, it's been and I am God. You are not. So let me do my job and you just pray. And I think as people are listening, though, they're going to say, yeah, but you don't understand, Tom. This was really bad. And if God really loved me, why would he let this happen? How can I trust that? And the example you gave is somebody who was like. Again, Romans eight twenty eight. God, I'm in your I'm in your permissive will and I'm in your active will, and you allowed this to happen for 
my good, but look at if that wouldn't have happened to you, you wouldn't have a ministry now to be going to people to talk about forgiveness, right? Terrible thing. You wouldn't want to wish it on anybody, but God allows things in our lives that then he turns into mm -hmm. an apostolate or some kind of a mission that oftentimes we can take to the people around us, shed some light and say, I get it. Not just, I read about it. I get it. I was there with you. So I appreciate you sharing your personal story as well. You bet. You bet. So once we've learned to trust, we, now we need to act with mercy. And uh, there's one guy, David McAllister, he was dying. And uh, uh, they found out right before he died that he had abducted many years before, abducted this uh, child and had stabbed him and shot him and left him for dead mm. uh, because he had confessed it right before he died. And um, nobody went to go visit him. But this man went decided to go visit him with his two daughters and uh care for him uh, in his last days. This man's name was Chris Carrier, who lives in Florida today. Um, and of course, the reporters came and said, well, how, why would you do that? I mean, why would, you, why would you extend mercy to him and nobody else is? And Chris just said, I just think he needs, he, he needs to get over it. I mean, he, he needs a friend, and I want him to say to move beyond this. He, this isn't defining him. Well, I don't know about you. As a, as a father, when I heard this, I'm like, he should. He has no right. <laughs> he has no right to act with mercy. Until I found out that uh, he was the boy that was shot, mm. Mm. that was stabbed several times, was left for dead. And he went to the man. When he found out this is the man that did it, he acted with mercy. Mm. Acting with mercy, guys, entails carrying the burden for another. It's not just, I extend this to you. I give you an olive branch. You, you take on the burden of the offense in some way. There's a Hebrew word, nagah which is used 650 times in Scripture. It often implies that an atonement or a payment needs to be paid for. And so the person that's been offended, that's been hurt, is the one who, who is willing to take it, just to make that payment themselves for the other person. Does this sound familiar to anybody like mm -hmm. Christ might have done for us? This is a deliberate act of the will. This is not emotion, folks. The will kicks in. It's like your mind says, this is what we're going to do. And the will says got it. We'll do it. Where you deliberately extend mercy and you carry the burden for another, just as Chris Carrier has carried it, just as Walter Bonham carries this pain and this suffering, real pain, real suffering mm -hmm. for another person. We want the justice, but in a sense, we put it upon ourselves. And this is heroic, guys. But if you want freedom, this is what it takes it takes a, really an act of the will, you know, and keep in mind, you know, the will is when it's putting, keeping the emotions in check. Okay. Um, but it, it, it requires empathy for the other person, which is an other centered activity. Mm -hmm. Resentment is me centered. Empathy, compassion is trying to see things through the other person's eyes. And how can I help this person restore because it's not just you that's been hurt. They really are hurting themselves. If they don't get through this, they're going to hell. And if you're okay with them going to hell, then you're okay joining them. Yeah. But you've got to get to the point of saying, how do I help this person? The last one, the next one is R, which stands for repair and restore. It, it, we need to carry it, which is good. It, it, act with mercy, which is huge. But if we want perfect healing we need to start repairing 
the situation. The other person can't do it themselves. This is a beautiful Catholic teaching. You've heard about doing reparation for other people, reparation for those in purgatory. What you're really doing is those who can't fix the situation, you're going to try to fix it for them. And so in the Course, we start doing reparation for each other, for those that have done harm to us. Uh, and, that's, and it doesn't mean that we don't seek justice. It doesn't mean that we just roll over. If someone owes us money, okay, well, they may have to owe you. They may still have to pay you. It's not like you – there is justice, material justice that may need to be done. But on a moral sense, on a spiritual sense, you're seeking to either help them do the reparation themselves because you know it can help them, or you start feeling in where it's lacking. And so that's the, um, the amazing piece of reparation. When you start doing reparation for someone, especially someone that's hurt you, um, it does a great wonders. I think I'd shared this with um, Craig a while back. Like one of the things I do, like, I pray a lot of rosaries and um, memoraries. I'm at 47, about 47, 500,000 um, memoraries that I pray for people. And I'm uh, finished praying 5,000 for someone that I was really kind of harboring a little thing against. And it's amazing when you just start praying for somebody and you're doing a reparation for them, the softness that can come to the heart. So so practically, Tom, as you're doing that, are you just saying, I'm praying this rosary for this person, um, not necessarily for this situation, but for whatever's going on in their life and for their own healing? Or how do you how do you do that? Yes to all of the above. Um, yes, practically speaking. It is, it's certainly that situation in and of itself. Mm -hmm. You're trying to pray that they bring about a restoration, that maybe they confess the sin, maybe they see the wrong. But many times they don't even know they hurt us. Right, right. right. Get over it. Right. And maybe they, you know, we just take offense at something. But when you start seeking the goodwill of them and you start praying and seeking that God bless them, so ultimately that's what you're wanting is a spiritual healing for mm-hmm. them and, and, a, and a unity with them in Christ. And mm-hmm. so ultimately you can pray for that. And then you want it for their entire life because you want to see them in heaven. Ultimately, if you can't see them in heaven with you, then you're probably holding on to something. The last one is train. And again, just, you know, I know we're going through this fast. I spend a fair bit of time. I mean, our course, um, the course is seven weeks, but then I meet for probably another 10 weeks. It's basically teaching them it for seven weeks, and then we practice it for like another 10. Right. And right? We'll, we'll make sure we get information from you to put in our show notes so people know how to find the course. Perfect. But the last one is train. In the course, we, we, we practice every day. We do acts of generosity, acts of self-denial, acts of service, where we're doing all kinds of things because you've got to practice forgiving in small things so that what? You when you get to the biggies. Mm-hmm. You can do it in the big situations. And so really it is dating the offense, trusting that a good can come out of this, acting with mercy, which is an act of the will, repairing, restoring, because it does just as much good for you as it does for them. And then T is just training yourself, doing this day in and day out. Because my hope is not just that I help one person get over one, one issue. It's that I, we become agents of forgiveness in the world. Once you have the ability to forgive, you are free. I'm not saying I'm perfectly free. No, I struggle with resentments all the time. But I can say I am so much freer today than I was years ago by practicing this. And that's what Christ wants, if us to be agents of love and mercy in this world. Mm. So in my course, I'll just say this thing. I use a three-pronged approach, mind, body, spirit, 
where we really work through a lot of mindfulness. We go through what's, what are the thoughts. We track our thoughts throughout the day. And then we look at which ones are really triggering us. And then we start retraining our thoughts. We do meditation, a lot of meditation. Each week I, I guide them in a, in a fairly lengthy meditation, and then they have daily meditation. You're focusing on um, imagery and, and, and scriptures of mercy. And then the, the, the third of the body is, is virtue. We do a lot of practice in practicing how to love in our daily lives. Mm. So, so this is an online course, Tom? Yes. I mean, right now, what I do, um, I've been doing it periodically, and I, I'm just finishing up one of the courses now. Um, but it's an online course. I've got people from Malaysia, Honduras, Mexico. I've just heard about it all over the world. But we get on once a week, and we are a beautiful community of people. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've had, I've had probably eight counselors and psychologists go through it, priests go through it, medical doctors. And that's I mean, all my lessons. I, I, you know, they, they, they fine tune my, my lessons on, me, on medicine and me, lessons on psychology. That's uh, been a fantastic uh, contribution that we're able to do this together. So, yeah. So how do people get in touch with, with you or find, find your course? I have a, a website I'm developing now called MOL.com, uh, M-O-L, E-M-M-I-W-E-L-L. So really, I've begun to work with these various doctors and uh, psychologists because how do we really help people to live well in Christ? Looking at all aspects, what, where are we stuck? And, um, and so that's what we're developing. So we'll have all of that information on our show notes as well. Well, Tom, we've only got probably about uh, half a minute left. Um, we are so thankful to you. Um, these last two shows have been incredible. So many practical tips for people, um, not just tips, but real profound things that they can do. So, uh, Craig, thank you for introducing us all to Tom. No, my pleasure. Tom, Tom lives his faith. Tom is you know, grinding it out every day with people. Took me through the 19th annotation program, which was Ignatian spirituality, and he had to put up with me for 18 months. Oh wow! Going through every week meeting, so he definitely has a real heart for this, and I'm I'm, I'm blessed that he number one he's I can call him a brother, but number two that he was willing to join us. So again, for me personally, Tom, thanks. Glad and to be here. Many thanks, Tom. Would you close us in prayer? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. 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 Well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are a communion of life and love love each other perfectly. You are our model in the family of forgiveness, of holiness, of healing. And help us to be that image to one another of compassion, empathy, love, service, sincerity. Help us to take any resentment that we may have and bring it to the cross and look at you as our model for holiness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tom. And listeners, we thank you for tuning in here on The Family Room and being with us today with Tom McCabe. Please join us again here next week as we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to am1160thequest.com.